Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Rewrite the Mother Code. With me, here I am, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I am thrilled about this guest that is coming on the show today. Sometimes I have guests that I've known practically my whole life or have, you know, worked with in some way or another and, you know, know really quite well, but then I'm still, I'm surprised at what comes out in in an interview or in this format that is new to me or, you know, strikes me in a different way. So I love that, but I also really love having guests on who I don't, haven't, ever met and would never have probably met had I not said yes to having them on my podcast. This guest is one of those guests and um, her name is Micah Burhart and she's a professional climber. So one, I'm just super interested to hear what, you know, what that life is like and how she got into that. And you know what, that just looks so freaking terrifying to me. Uh, There's pictures in her book, which we'll talk about uh, that show her on these sheer, sheer vertical faces that to me don't look like remotely climbable, but she seems to manage it, you know, and what it's like to, to be in that arena and then choose to become a mother of children. So that's what we're going to be, you know, diving deep into. But I know for me, it, the whole thing is an adventure, right? And I often will say that you know, self-exploration, the the journey inward can sometimes feel as, you know, death-defying and terrifying as scaling a cliff or, you know, jumping off uh, something, jumping out of an airplane, you know, with, with a parachute and, you know, some of these, you know, really extreme sports. I, I think it's an extreme sport. <laughs> to do our our personal inner work uh, and do it in a deep, meaningful way. Because, you know, who are we most afraid of sometimes ourselves? You know, who do we judge the most ourselves? You know, how often do we find ourselves, you know, face-to-face in situations that call upon us to, you know, really dig deep and, you know, to be able to stand stand tall and stand true to what we believe in. And first we have, have had to do the work to know, you know, where we stand on things and what matters to us and what is meaningful. What do we care most about? And I think that is just an amazing, beautiful, beautiful journey. You know, and I'll say to people when they ask like, Oh, what do you do? Well, I'm a life coach. I'm a speaker facilitator coming up to on being an author and like, oh, life coach. Yeah, I could really use that. I'm like, great, you know, let's talk about it. And, or I'll say, you know, I focus on the arena of mothering or parenting or something like that. Oh my gosh. Yes. I could really do that. I would say there's probably eight of 10 never follow through on that. 
but I think it speaks to the fact we all know, you know, we could benefit. It's not like we have to, or, you know, it's, it's this like critical thing, um, life or death. Although I, I guess we could split hairs on that, but anyway, you know, uh, the truth is it, we have a lot of blocks and barriers to really create and a design and live a life that is true to our dreams, true to our deepest heart's desires. You know, sometimes even the journey of getting in contact with those, what those dreams are, we left them behind. And when we were five, you know, we have to choose it, but we have, you know, the potential and possibility to go on that kind of exploration. So it's, of course, what I love to be a guide in uh, with, you know, with my clients and and with folks. And it's really important to me, you know, creating a safe space to do that kind of work. And I think if anything, you know, that, that womb, uh, that cruci- womb and crucible to step into is something I really work hard uh, with my, with my coaching clients. So if that piques your interest and you want to be one of those one or two who takes that step. And I always say that when someone does reach out, it's like, you just took the biggest step, you know, one of the most difficult in, in achieving your dreams in having the life that you want by, by reaching out. And now, you know, I almost like to say it's easy from here. It's not necessarily easy, but you know, that was one of the biggest steps. So join me. I would love it. And we get to hear how now we'll turn to Micah and what her journey has been like. And I'm, I'm pretty thrilled to do that. Well, as promised here we are, and here I am with Micah Burhart. Micah, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Oh, it's awesome to be here with you today, Gertrude. <laughs> Yay. Well, uh, I, I know my audience is going to be just on many levels, thrilled and excited. And as much as I am to hear your story and to hear, you know, uh, so much of the adventure you've been on in your life as a climber and in bringing that, bringing motherhood along on that, on that journey and adventure. And wow. Okay. So I'm super excited to hear, cause I've been reading your book and it's really beautiful, but let me just, you know, share some of the highlights from you and your career and life. And then we'll go from there. Micah Burhardt is a professional climber, conservation entrepreneur, author, and filmmaker. She's the founder and executive director of Legato and the author of the 2023 book, More, Life on the Edge of Adventure and Motherhood, which is a next big idea club must read, as well as, and this is a different book, right? Vertical Mm -hmm. Ethiopia. Yeah. Vertical Ethiopia, Climbing Towards Possibility in the Horn of Africa, which was shortlisted for the Banff Book Award. Her book and projects have been featured in the New York Times. The Economist, Outside Magazine, Weather Channel, NPR, and more. And her articles have appeared in publications including Afar, Men's Health, Skiing Magazine, Backpacker, Patagonia, Alpinist, Women's Adventure, Explorers Journal, and Climbing, and I'm sure more. Mike is a climber and ambassador with Patagonia and an American and in an American Mountain Guides Association rock guide and ice instructor. Oh my gosh, I have just can't wait to hear about this. <laughs> she is so far from my world, right? So she graduated from Princeton University cum laude and received her MFA in creative writing from the Warren Wilson Program for Writers. She and her husband, Peter Duchette, am I saying that right? Duchette, Duchette. Duchette, Duchette 
an internationally certified mountain guide. They live in Jackson, New Hampshire with their twin children, a boy and a girl, I believe, right? Exactly. And how old are they now? Today is their birthday. They're seven ah! today. <laughs> oh, well, I feel honored to be part of their birthday. Seven. I know they're wow, at camp 70. on their birthday. They're so excited to go to oh, they're good. So, so I get to talk to you and do a podcast with Gertrude on their birthday. I, it's so great. I love it. I love it. And they'll get well celebrated at camp. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm oh sure. yeah. Then we have <laughs> ice cream pie and uh, shenanigans with the family later. So <laughs> perfect. Well, Obviously, there's a lot, you know, to be with and just um, I'm excited to dig in. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to open it up and have you share some of some of your journey and how you maybe first start with how did you come to climbing? And then, you know, that journey from being a professional and being a professional athlete to what it takes to then start including children in that narrative. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I grew up in Minnesota and I grew up with a really active family. So both my mom and my dad, especially, were athletes. Um, so I, I grew up in a family where being an athlete was an assumed norm. <laughs> um, and for me, I love being outdoors and I was exposed to climbing at an early age, but this was back in, you know, the early eighties in Minnesota. So this was not the era of climbing gyms, Um, but it wasn't the era when climbing was super fun and different and being a girl climbing and being strong felt Mm. surprising. And, you know, my name, Micah is spelled M-A-J-K-A. It's Polish. I have really curly hair. I was very, direct and impassioned as a kid. And so when things were different and were hard, I was somewhat attracted to them. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Not a lot of girls are doing that. I'll do that. I'll do a push-up contest. I'll play floor hockey. You, you know, you know, it's kind of my personality, one that I see replicated a bit in my daughter. Ah, <laughs> I wonder why. Yes. Not surprising. <laughs> so I, think, <laughs> I think for me, climbing was something I really loved and also something that the challenge really attracted me to it. Um, Mm -hmm. The physical challenge and the mental challenge and that really propelled me in my life. But at the same time, I was a fierce academic and I loved learning and I loved Mm -hmm. understanding how to be part of the world. Um, Even when I was really young and, Mm -hmm. you know, I organized um, a way to raise money, making t-shirts that I painted with puff paint on them for the 1989 March on Washington for women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, gave a bunch of money to NARAL and, um, you know, would talk to people about abortion when I was in seventh grade and how we needed to make sure that we had rights to abortion and to maintain them, never imagining that Roe v. Wade could be in jeopardy, you know, years and years later. So imagine. Right. So yeah, I I don't ever want to have to go back in time and tell my, uh, my, my seventh grade self that that could have gone away. So for me, those, that pairing of wanting to be this active global citizen, but also loving to be outdoors, you know, felt like they had to go together in my life. And eventually they did. And they went together in the organization I run called Legato that really shifts conservation to climate justice with indigenous communities and some of the most Mm. important places for biodiversity in our world. And by, you know, come hell or high water, pushing climbing into a larger narrative about global action. And, you know, my career today, which is, you know, blended with being a pro climber and running Legato and being a mama. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Which is... uh... Well, isn't it interesting? Like they seem, well, in some ways in our culture might like feel very distinct, but they, the lines that cross in them and, you know, in rewrite the mother code, one of the things I always love underlining is we all mother, you know, and we mother in so many different ways. 
So to me, the, the crossovers seem very apparent and, uh, um, and beautiful, you know, and, and they're all important, right? They're they all, all are important. each one of them. And, you know, not like we have to rank them in value, but motherhood can sometimes end up, you know, low on the list. It's like, oh, it's so important and you have to do a great job and we're not really going to support you in it or give it much, you know, credence or, you know, lift it up in the way that it should be, but it's important and you better do a good job. Yeah. <laughs> so well, very- and I think, I think seeing those linkages is so important and all of us bringing them forward, right? So that we're yes. not creating these binaries or we, I don't know what the, uh, the four rule would be a, bi- a quadrinary or something yeah. like that. We're saying, well, yeah. here are all these places. It's the intersection that I think we have more power inside of when we talk about how, you know, every place that I show up in my life, I'm showing up as a mom. I mean, that is yeah. a cross-cutting theme. And I know for my mom who had, you know, a hard charging corporate career in the seventies and eighties and nineties to her, she showed up everywhere as a mom, but she wasn't able to do it in the, in as visible a way as we can right now. And mm-hmm. I think, it, and as what, you know, COVID has really presented an opportunity that I think we should fight like hell not to let go of, to mm-hmm. have these things smashed up against each other and to have them be more visible. And I think that's where women are going to be able to own motherhood in a more complex space if we keep the light there. Yeah, here, here. I'm so with you on that. <laughs> I know we just said your, your kids are seven, but before we go to where that choice point was to decide to expand your family, you know, with your partner, can, can you share a little bit about like life as a professional climber? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's yeah. that's what not in my space. Yeah. <laughs> well, I saw yeah. pictures. I'm so glad you put pictures in your book um, because I, well, I love, I love visuals. <laughs> I think it's, so, and, and I know it's a lot to like add something like that in. But seeing a couple of these photos of you on some of these um, ice faces and sheer like vertical cliffs, it's it's hard for me to fathom. So yeah, yeah, just, I don't <laughs> I don't care. I just want to hear a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah. So for me, you know, I've been climbing full time, and had it been a huge integral part of my, of my life since I was in my teens. And it really took off in my twenties. I became, I was a mountain guide and then I became a professional climber in kind of, I would say my early twenties at that point. And what that meant in my iteration is that I traveled around the world, um, running expeditions and leading expeditions to climb on established rock and ice and mountain routes, and also put up new routes um, in countries Mm -hmm. like Namibia and Ethiopia in, Mozambique, um, you know, climbing all throughout Latin America, climbing in Alaska, climbing in Europe. And so that was what I did. And then I brought in my life as a social entrepreneur into it. And I, you know, early on I was writing, I had a column for climbing magazine and I was a senior contributing editor for them, which really like established my niche as a pro climber, because not only was I a strong climber, but I had a strong presence and I had a strong voice in the climbing world. And I was really lucky to establish that voice at that time. Um, You know, I think I got, I started, I had a column for climbing magazine in like year 2002. Um, And it was a very, that gave me a larger platform where, and I didn't have to be the best climber in the world to be a pro climber, but I was in that cadre of people in part supported by the way that I would take climbing and life and smash them up together and turn them upside down and write about it. And that Mm -hmm. became something that was really important to me because, you know, 
you can talk about being a pro climber. You can, I mean, any of the things I do, and it goes back to what we were talking about before about these things being in a vacuum. I'm most interested in the intersection. I think the mm-hmm. intersection is fascinating because the intersection is where it's hard and it's yeah. where it's messy and it's where it's super, um, it's almost like we don't want to talk about it, which means we need to, and I'm yeah. fascinated by it. So, I mean, that's really what led to this book. And that's really, you know, cause for me, when motherhood came crashing into my life and, you know, the year I got pregnant, I started the year off on the summit of Fitzroy in Argentina, having done this really amazing climb. And then, you know, it was in three back-to-back trips in Africa for the organization I run. And then was climbing high Alpine granite in Chamonix. And then all of a sudden I was pregnant in, you know, whatever in, in October and then found out I was pregnant with twins. And the literal like highs to low to, oh my God, what, how, like, how does all that work with being pregnant with twins, with having two babies coming into the world? What the heck am I going to do? When I, when I had that feeling, what I did was I picked up my phone and I, and I started speaking audio journals to my kids um, and being like, I don't know how to do this. So we're going to have to talk my way through it. And I started Mm -hmm. writing them and speaking them letters and emails and audio journals and jotted down notes on in post-its and you name it. And I did that for a number of years before I realized that I could put it together and have it be a book that I would share with the world. Yeah. Well, and I'm so glad you have, um, because, and I want to go back to what you said, like the importance of the intersection of the two. It's like when you bring something that you've established and worked hard in your life, you know, to reach the heights that, that you reach, but, um, you know, well, you, you intersected the physical climbing with the social aspect of it and the conservation and bringing those two together and then writing about it allowed you and and gave you that um, platform to do that. And then we're going to, and that's messy, right? I would imagine that there were, you know, that it's like, well, you know, some people would say like, well, just, you know, stick to writing about climbing and like the tech, the technicality of climbing. And this is climbing magazine and you're bringing in another voice, another uh, aspect that, you know, maybe I'm making this up, but maybe was a little edgy and, you know, not, and I'm just wondering about that. Right. Like, so, um, but you did it right. And then, uh, and face those challenges. Now we're going to layer in mothering and motherhood, which nobody, I, I mean, I don't think anybody really prepares you for what that's like, right. You don't like, you don't start out with like, oh, let's like, we'll climb this like little hill and then you're going to go bigger and then you're going to go bigger, just kind of like thrown into like the big, you know, <laughs> the big Absolutely. Right from the start. Right. Um, but one of the things I'm wondering is like, when you say the intersection, are there things about, you know, how you planned for a climb or, you know, what were the things that you brought to the chaos and upheaval of motherhood. I'm I'm seeing that as some of the intersection, but also some of, you know, how to navigate mothering when and yeah. that transition and that shift into it. Absolutely. I think being okay with the unknown yes. was a really oh. big s- skill set that I had from climbing because you can set out on these expeditions and you might think that you have a goal, but that goal changes. You're not sure if you're going to pull it off. And I think that the journey of parenthood is very much the same. You're like, well, I have this being, who's this being going to be, right? Are they going to have, you know, like every step of the way, am I going to make it all the way through pregnancy? Am I not? I'm going to have, am I going to have babies born in the NICU? Am I going to have kids that can nurse? Am I going to have kids that, I mean, all of these things, it's just a, it's an ongoing question and journey through these unknowns and being able Mm -hmm. to say, 
yeah, but I can do that, right? Like I can be me and find some level of ballast and strength and go through that unknown space, I think was a, what is a skill that I'm really glad that I developed through my background as a climber and as someone who had really sat in that. I think at the same time, it was hard because I have like I'm achievement oriented, right? And that's something that has been part of my life. I like finishing things. Um, it's, you know, I love lists. I like, you know, checking them off. And what the heck is an achievement in parenthood? What is checking something off the list other than, you know, like I get this weird when my kids grow out of clothes, I feel sort of satisfied because I get to like, it's like a list checking opportunity. Yes. Right? <laughs> so like, oh, you put this size sevens and you move them over here and we right. went to this world. So I think that understanding how to go with the flow and also how to root myself in like, this is so unknown. And it's like you said, there's no way to know what you're going to get into with parenthood because we don't listen to each other. When people tell us it's going to be hard, when people say, you know, I always think that it's this part of the human species that our brain says, la, 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 when people tell us it's hard because we're secretly saying, watch me do it better than you. Right. Like, because otherwise Nobody would have, we would do it. We wouldn't do it. Right. You wouldn't do it. So there's something that is in like, like that is hardwired into our brains to believe that it's going to be okay when we do it. But Mm -hmm. then of course it's this deluge of um, wonder and horrible difficulty that you're merging together. And then you're also intersected with whatever the reality of your situation is. Are you partnered? Do you have, you know, how many needs do your, does your child have in that moment? What is your social infrastructure? How do you manage childcare? You know, what are those? And all that, that configuration is so unique mm-hmm. and there's no way of replicating it. And so I think that the other thing for me that was tricky and it's something that I, it's actually a way that I start the book is how lonely I felt being in early motherhood. And the irony that I knew that I was lonely when I have this great husband, right? But it's like, we're in theory doing this thing together, but it doesn't feel like we're doing it together. No, and it doesn't feel like we're on the same, we're in the same orbit. And I'm, I'm lonely, but I have these two beings who are like attached to me all the time. But it felt like I kept looking around thinking, God, is this what everybody goes through? Because this is insane. This is completely insane that we do this. But yet somehow what gets squeezed out at the end, what gets talked about is a infinitesimal percentage of what's really going on. So what the Mm. hell is going on? And that's what more is. More is like like a real-time journey through what is actually going on and what was ping-ponging around in my head when I'm thinking, I love this this child. I can't get this child to sleep. Does that make me a good mom? Does that make me a bad mom? What did my mom do? How did she go back to work when I was, you know, when I was four weeks old, what the hell is wrong with our society? That that's how, I mean, all of those thoughts are laid bare mm-hmm. in this in a really, um, really raw way. Yeah. Which I love. And that takes a lot of courage, right. To lay that out there because of the paradigm in our world, like, Oh, wait, you know, you're a professional climber. You should, you should handle this, you know, just whatever those messages yeah. are. So, you know, whenever someone is willing to be gutsy enough to, put the good, the bad, the ugly, the unsayable, you know, in in our culture, like you said, like, oh my God, like, this is nuts. This is, I'm, I'm insane. And I don't like my children right now. You know, I don't like my husband. And then the next moment, like it could, I could just be madly in love. You know, it's, it's all there, (laughs) but we only talk about, you know, and social media wise show the pictures of, you know, when it's, all like supposedly going easy, but there's something that came up for me when you were talking um, that was, and the, the word was presence and how as a climber and uh, you have to be honed into the moment, right? You're, I, I can't imagine that you can be like 
thinking about your grocery list, you know, like off, I'm sure they're when you're resting, but you know, when you're yeah, like, no, when you're actually climbing, you are incredibly present and you astutely observe that there are times when you're not totally engaged. Like when you're hiking to a climb, when you're, when someone else is climbing and you're feeding out rope and you're bling. And I think about my grocery list then, right? Like you, so you have this odd mix of, you know, all hands and mental synopsis on deck. And then suddenly you can sort of wander, but not accomplish any of that stuff. So it's a really interesting mix. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think some of those beautiful moments that we're talking about happen when we allow ourselves those present moment uh, awarenesses, you know, and, and interactions um, amongst ourselves. And I love that you're talking about the unknown, you know, I, I mean, we can, uh, cause I think what I'm hearing some is this beautiful blend of masculine yang type qualities, you know, values or whatever mixed with the feminine. And to me, the feminine is the unknown. It's a presence. Um, but I need that, that planning. I need that, you know, like that technical, like detailed uh, list in order to reach those moments of presence or be in the unknown. I, Cause I can plan away, but I, if that unknown hits me, I'm going to need to be present and aware. And I think you're, you know, showing that inner mix and how they work together, you know, so beautifully, but it, that's not always easy to achieve. Like we can say that and you know, so I, one of the things I was wondering was how, you know, if sometimes it's unconscious competence, but, you know, if you were to think about like, what brings me present or how do I stay in the moment at the times I most need it? Because, you know, we can get thrown off course and thrown off balance pretty easily, but how do I get back to myself and, you know, things like that. I don't know if that's something, you know, that you've consciously worked on, or you can share, you know, how, I think that, you know, my answer to that is twofold. One is putting my children to bed, like literally crawling in bed and giving them the last snuggles that they get of the night. Um, Ever since they were little has, I'm right there in that moment. The fifth time I have to go down, I'm not right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the first time in that utter moment of sweetness of like, this is, um, this is my child. And this is where I need to be giving them this love and giving them this safety. That's Mm -hmm. very grounding for me. And in a highly contrasting moment, you know, arcing back to talking about climbing, when I'm trying to do something difficult in climbing that takes all of my ability in that moment, I'm incredibly present. And it's a way to be grounded by that physical and mental combination of tenacity. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about 
tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking, you know, that takes practice. That didn't just, you know, happen because you decided in one moment, you know, you could do that. I would imagine that's that's has been part of the journey for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You know, and then when we're aware of that, we can overlay it into this very different, um, but find the similarities and the connections in motherhood. And like, oh yeah, like this is like whack, wacky and unknown and and whatnot. But I have some skills that I can uh, that I can apply here. But there's a lot of times that I think women do feel lost in that arena, and you know, maybe that's also. It's also something I would like to shift, you know, in the, in the paradigm of mothering that we don't, on the one hand, no one will have the experience we had giving birth, you know, raising children. So we technically are alone in our experience, but I think there could be a lot more fellowship or sisterhood, you know, in the mothering realm, um, than currently exists and where we find it, it's precious, but, Uh, I think us aligning and being even more with each other in those spaces is pretty critical in our, in our current world, you know, today for us to bring that mothering energy and that mother uh, power and essence into it. We have to, you know, honor each other's choices, be more aligned, um, you know, from the standpoint of it's okay to do it differently than I am. And I don't have to judge or, you know, justify how I'm doing it, you know, or, yeah. And learn to deal with the judgments that do maybe do come my way. Cause I'm sure you've had them, you know, like I know I had, and I wasn't traveling to the extent you were with small children, but I had a lot of judgments come my way. Like, Oh, you know, you shouldn't be away from them this soon, or, you know, you shouldn't, that's, isn't that going to be like hard on them and disruptive to travel with them, but it's what you needed and wanted. I'm assuming, right. Having not read it. So I believe that what's right for me is right for my children. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also I think having the courage to 
be fallible in that journey because nothing is static when you are mm -hmm. a parent, including your understanding of your own parenting. And so a lot of what I talk about and more is that I'm learning how to be the mom that I'm trying to be while also trying to be a better parent from what I'm seeing happening. And so it's yeah. this constantly evolving self. And so that means that it might have felt like a really good idea to like, to use your example, to go on a trip, but then midway through to say, this actually isn't working. This is not working for me. This is not working for my kids, how you change it because you, it is not linear and it is not, you're not on some hockey stick arc, um, you know, arc curve of progression into some level of greatness, right? It's mm -hmm. so much bumpier. And I think that being able to reboot yourself and say, here's what I need in this moment becomes a really big gift. Oh, here, here. And I think that's such an important part of the conversation, but I know we've touched on some of these, but any other areas that you feel like are missing in the conversation uh, an understanding around motherhood that, that you'd like to share? I think that, I think, no, I think that we've really, you know, spoken to creating, I think that it's creating spaces for, I like what you talked about with fellowship, for creating fellowship around the reality and the, mm -hmm. and, and all of the realities that can help us move forward better supporting each other, better understanding each other, which then leads to the things that need to happen on a policy level that need to happen on a, like a domestic infrastructure and domestic system. All of that happens when we're brave enough to speak up about what's really happening. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean we have to understand it. I think that's something that's really important is that you don't have to have figured it out. Some of my best conversations are with friends who I can say, hey, I need to toss something around with you right now. Something is feeling off. It's not, I have this ready to go. I've already like, you know, dotted the I's and crossed the T's and I'm ready to make an argument. It's something feels like a lot and I want to be in conversation and have yeah. space, safe spaces to talk about what's feeling like a lot. And I think we could, we can do a lot for giving, to use that word again, but we can do quite a bit for each other by asking for that and providing that to other people. I do too. And I think- you know, those spaces where, you know, their, their truth is there, but it's not uh critical judgmental, you know, like I'm going to knock you down truth for, you know, having different ideas or wanting to sort it through. And I think you're making a distinction too. Like, I don't really understand this yet. It's just something's niggling in me and I want to talk it through versus what can sometimes happen in those groups is just complaining or, mm -hmm. you know, don't like just, you know, being in victimhood or self-pity. And that's not what we're talking about. And I yep. think sometimes when we get together, when we haven't had a chance to do that, it's like, okay, let's have some time to just vent. And I, I'm all for that. You know, I have a little fits or tantrums <laughs> about some of the hard stuff or some of the things that we're trying to figure out, but then, okay, now help me like figure this out, right? Like, yep. let, let's just talk this through. Like this, something should be different here about, you know, how I'm experiencing this or how I think this should be. And then keeping that conversation moving and going so that we're not just feeling, you know, stuck and victimized by it, right. And victimized Absolutely. by the state of the world. So I, I think that's what you're talking about. That's so beautiful. And I, I'd also like to hear a little bit about, so we've, you know, climbing motherhood, um, and building, you know, what, what legato is. And if you'd share some more about yeah. that and how it intersects with everything and the, the crossover and I Definitely. know they're related. Yeah. So legato, as I mentioned, is an organization that I founded. I'm the executive director of it. And we work to create what we call thriving futures. So thriving futures are when 
thriving people are living in a thriving place. And we do that with indigenous communities and local populations living in these areas of incredible biodiversity in our world. Um, right now in Mozambique and Peru and in Kenya, um, we're about to expand in other partnerships in other countries. And what we do is we, legato means legacy in Spanish and mm -hmm. Portuguese. And we work with people to uncover their personal legacy and to mobilize that into a community legacy for that thriving future. And then we get behind them to make that come to life. So that means building a maternity shelter in Northern Kenya so that women can use their traditional birth position and birth practices next to a more conventional staff medical clinic if their complications arise so that they can have those things happen in tandem, respecting their culture and also um, advancing how they're taking care of their birthing mothers and their newborn children. In Mozambique, it means establishing land and legal rights, legal control of land so that communities can make the choices and families can make the choices and have power over their own land. It means instead of my setting an agenda for what needs to happen in these biodiversity hotspots in the world, but the local community who are the best stewards of that biodiversity get to set the agenda on their terms for all the things that they would be doing in a traditional conservation or development paradigm, but they're the ones who are creating the solution and who are leading those solutions. That's beautiful. So how, um, do you have a team? Like, is this, is yeah, this we like have kind a, of another family? No. Like <laughs> I'm, yeah, we have a big 19 person international team. Uh, um, and so um, it's, yeah, it's quite extensive. And Legato started with $11,000 and a pretty wild idea and a climbing expedition in Mozambique. And it became what it is today, which is, you know, 19 people operating with like a $1.3 million budget and having, you know, really backstopping communities in all of those countries right now, creating their thriving futures and more demand than we can meet for other partnerships. So it's been a pretty incredible journey That's and beautiful. it is something that I'm deeply passionate about. And I get to, um, you know, work to support a lot of other families internationally finding their own more. Uh, yeah. And well, expanding your, you know, this, this is to me is like when we really harness our, our mother energy um, what we're capable of. Right. And so, yes, I'm in the moment with my children, you know, day to day and like, you know, raising these beans, but my arms, you know, I can, I'm vast. I'm a woman, right. I can mother the, and support women in a, a family of a business, right? Like a, this, these Absolutely. 19 people are a family of sorts that you are mothering. And I, I love making those you know, that connection and all of them are making a difference. And I think sometimes I've seen women get kind of caught up in like either one way or the other, like my career, you know, that's where I feel like I'm making a difference. And I don't really can't quite grasp how I'm making a difference with these beans, you know, that are in my care because it, as we said, like that doesn't have the same check boxes, you know, um, that doesn't have always the same, like I started, we started with $11,000. Now we're over, you know, have a million thing. It's, so much, I don't know, uh, there aren't words for it, right? There are words to express like what that journey is like and how do we, and I think you mentioned that, right? How am I, am I a good mom for doing this? Am I a bad mom for doing this? Like, is, was this, was this a good move? Positive how do we move? understand this? Yep. And how, you know, and I'll just be making it up later, like, oh, probably because I made that decision. Um, you know, that's why my child is thriving in that area. We, who knows, right? Like, and we kind of have to let go 
of all of those usual ways that we um, monitor ourselves or reflect back to ourselves our, how we're doing a good job. And that's, you know, what I'm always supporting women to do is create that for yourself. What are your benchmarks? What's your vision for yourself as a mother, you know, and, and beyond that, then in the ways that you mother with your children and elsewhere, you know, you get to set the standard yeah. and, you know, besides giving them a roof over their head and feeding them and a relative amount of, you know, emotional care, like that's the baseline. So anything above that is, you know, we're, we're, we're doing great. Right? That's all we like have to do. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So I, I love that, that, that passion and how that extends and, and they're witnessing that. And I think that's always what's so important too. You know, we always want to do these external things for our kids, but you know, how you're living your life and the passion you're showing for these things. That's, that's what they're absorbing. You know, that's one of the first thing you said, well, my parents were professional athletes or, or athletes. So of course, you know, I am, and your kids may or may not be, but they're, it's more the, what they're seeing and you're, how you're going about it, I think, than what you're actually doing. So I just, you know, but those were all my reflections and some of the things that were coming up for me, as you were sharing, it's really beautiful. Absolutely. Thanks for condensing it that way. <laughs> of course, of course. So how like mentally do you deal with the danger aspect of being a climber? Cause I look at that and I just like, uh, I could like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I could do something that I could so obviously die from. <laughs> right? I think, you know, for me as a climber, one of the it's probably a misconception, just like, you know, we have misconceptions of motherhood. It's probably one of, that I have that I'd like to bust. Yeah, I mean, climbing is more dangerous than going on a trail run by all means, right? It's more dangerous than a lot of things. I think that, you know, how I handle it is understanding that risk is not linear in anything that we do. And mm. the job that we have is to evaluate if we are ready to take on the risks that are inherent to the activity that we're pursuing and making sure that you can be your best judge of your own character and your skill set in a given moment to understand if you can take that risk. So um, that's how that's how I navigate in the climbing world. That's how I've navigated in the climbing world before I was a mom, and I do it with more scrutiny as a mom. I, I would imagine it kind of enhances that 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 radar and and how you're doing that, and how you're going about that. Well, I'm in awe and just honor like the work that you're doing, Micah, and I'm so grateful that that we've had this opportunity that. I can't wait for more conversations and even finding out more about Legato and how people can, you know, come to know more about it, contribute if that's it, you know, learn, learn from you, the mothers, you know, learning from you and, and how you're, and this approach of being trans, fully transparent and putting ourselves out there. So what are the best ways we'll have it in the show notes, but I like to say as much out loud because. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah. So can. you can find me at my website, micaburhart.com. My first name is M-A-J-K-A. If you type that in and have a shot at my last name, you'll find me, Micah Burhart on Instagram and Legato is legatoinitiative.org. Great. And your book, let's say, let's more. Mention. So life more. On the, the book is more life on the edge of adventure and motherhood. And you can find it everywhere, bookstores, online, you name it. And I forgot to look and see, is there a audible version yet? There's you... not. We're trying well, really let's do hard that. right now. So I'm working <laughs> my butt off on it. So anybody, yeah. Okay, good. It's, it's, uh, TBD. 
Yeah, this this would be a great book to hear you, you know, sharing and speaking out loud also, right? Definitely, uh, working hard on it. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, I'm glad that that's forthcoming. Um, So my last question that I always ask all my guests, my God, if you uh, wouldn't mind answering is, what does rewrite the mother code mean to you? To me, it means to make space for the messy middle and to invite other people into it with us without solutions, without having it be pat, with it being a safe place to say it's all happening and I'm wholly in the all. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you for distilling that and uh, sharing it from from your heart and this reflection. Well, it's been a blessing. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to hearing more and hearing the audible because even though I will read it, I will also love That's listening so great. to you and listening to you share. So Thank you well, so much. Well, thank you for, for a beautiful here. conversation today, um, Gertrude. I had a great time. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. And I just, I have so many questions. <laughs> it's like such a different world, right? That uh, Micah was bringing to us and, and a beautiful one. And there was something she said that I, I wanted to underline that I think, I don't know. I know I've gotten caught in and I think can, we can easily get caught in, you know, when we make a decision or make a choice. And we think this is, you know, how we think it's going to go. And then it's not really feeling good or working that we can shift it, right? We don't have to keep doing something that isn't serving us or really like isn't working or step back, regroup, look at some, that could be something, you know, that we've planned and, and thought like, this is the best plan. I think she was using, we were talking about traveling, you know, with her with her kids when they were really little and realizing along the way, like, yeah, maybe this isn't working how I thought it was. And we can then be with that, not feel and judge ourselves or feel like a failure or, you know, or, and keep doing it, even though when it's really not working, but it's like, oh, I said I was going to do this and I got to do it. And I, I think that's a, something that we can all take to heart. Or maybe I need support or maybe the support I I thought I had, or maybe I thought that this was going to be a little easier than it was. And uh, no, you know, next time or while I'm on this trip, I'm going to see if my husband can be with me or my partner or, you know, is there local support I can get if I'm far from home? So I, I want us to always be aware that we can, we don't have to muscle our way through something. Sometimes hard, it's not like just because something's hard, we shouldn't keep doing it, but we can rethink it and we can re-explore and we can re-examine. It's like, nope, you know, I think let's let's keep pushing forward. Um, I'm learning, you know, I'm I'm building some muscles that I didn't have before. So let's keep going. Or yeah, no, this isn't this isn't feeling good. This doesn't feel right. And we can we can go a different direction or just a slightly different direction and add something to it that we weren't before. So I, I think that's one of many things that I would take. And I um, also just want to honor and underline, you know, our capacity as women to hold so much, right. And all the choices we make around that are fine. But when we have a, a yearning or desire to contribute in an additional way, or, you know, build something new in addition to the things I have, like Micah was talking about with Legato. Um, I'm sure her plate was plentiful, you know, with her kids and, and the climbing and, um, 
whatever else she had going on to then, you know, really also have the energy and take some of her energy into something that she's so passionate about with legato. So, you know, I, I think knowing that one, that we're, we're vast and we're capable. And then two, taking that energy and focusing it is also all those choices and that, that whole continuum, they're all, uh, all those choices are right. If they're right for you, you know, and, and I think we'll always and continue to keep underlining that for ourselves. Well, that's it for today. I know that we have a lot coming up I'm recording this at the end of June. Uh, I don't know when it's actually coming out, but end of June means that there's a July, August, you know, to September before my fall retreat, which I'm more and more uh, looking forward to. And as women are signing up, I'm getting that much more excited. So if you're hearing this and it's, it's before September 21st to the 25th, and we still have room, I would love to have you. And I'd love to have you explore the possibility of being on that adventure with me, because that is a very big inner adventure that we go on. And um, it's beautiful. It also is stirring. And, um, you know, when you bring nature and sweat lodges and, uh, you know, these kinds of space, ancient sites, you know, into our periphery and into our being in those moments, so much is possible. And as Micah said, you know, the, um, the unknown, you know, is where the richness is. All right. Well, till next time. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time. 